Refuge, what's up? How's everyone doing? You good? You good? We're going to get some lights on here. You guys are going to be getting some note sheets. But while you're doing that, why don't you turn around to the person behind you, if you know him or not. And we need to make sure we're, we're stoked to be here. So turn around to the person behind you or close to you and say, get stoked. Right now, everyone do that. Are we stoked? Are we, are we stoked? We're stoked. Okay. All right. You guys, you guys should all have your notes now. All right. Um, here's here's the, 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 what we've been talking about in this series. Is that through the book of Joshua, all right, God told the people of Israel, which is his chosen people, he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And I'm leading you into this thing called the promised land. And we've talked a lot about that, man. If you hadn't listened to it, go on the podcast and you can check out kind of to keep you up to date for where we are tonight. Um, you'll kinda, it'll make more sense to you if you do that because um, we're going to get to these flags here in a minute. But that's, that's the promise of the book of Joshua is, hey, my people, I'm going to lead you into the promised land. And for us, the same thing is true. If you would say, I'm a Jesus follower, man, I love Jesus, and I've given him my life. There's a bunch of people that got baptized this weekend that said that publicly, which was awesome. But that's what we are. We are God's people. And just like he told the children of Israel, I will be your God, and you will be my people. He tells us, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And so we've been, that's what we've been tracking through. And we kind of had a serious principle um, that there's your first blank there. And we've been saying it over and over and over again. It's this. Remember the word... Is there anybody back there? No, there's not. Remember the word and take the land. That's, the, that's the, the thing right there. Remember the word and take the land. If you have a note sheet, write that down. Here's what that means. There's a lot of words that God gives you and I in his word called the Bible. And as we remember those words, we will take some land. What is taking land? Well, taking land is taking God up on his promises. It would be awesome if a bunch of students all over Las Vegas started taking God up on the promises that he has given to you. And so here, these flags, we had the first week we did it, we said, what, what, is, what is some land that you want to take? Meaning, who are some friends you want to lead to Christ? Who are some people you want to invite to refuge? What's that sin you want to conquer? Is it your lunch table? Is it your school? Is it your baseball team? Whatever it is, and everyone wrote it on a card. So right here, um, we have, let's see, that is uh, Fred, Emmanuel, and Naboo. I don't know who those people are. But you do, and you're praying for those people. That's who you're saying, man, I want to take the land that God has given me, and I'm going to take God up on his promises. And you, some of you guys have flags up here that you've said, this is what I'm... So the first question tonight is, how are you doing on that? It, was this just a flag that you put in the ground and said, yeah, I'm taking the land, and you forgot about it? I know it's been a few weeks since we did that, but if you wrote a flag up here, you know exactly what you wrote. And even if you didn't ride a flag up here, you know, man, I know there's some people in my life that need Jesus. I know there's some people in my life that God has called me to take his promises and say, go. Matter of fact, he gives us two promises that we've been talking about over and over and over again. And they're not true like in Jesus' time only. They're true for you right now and me right now. And you find them in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 is the first one. Here's what it says. I will build my church. This is Jesus talking to us. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here's what he's saying. He does not need any person in the room. He doesn't need pastors. He doesn't need people that are Christian, that wear the Christian name tag and walk into their school. He doesn't need us, but he invites us, even though we don't deserve it, 
to get in on what he's doing. And he says, I will build my church. I'm going to take some land, and all I want is to use you. And I want to use you at Silverado High School. I want to use you at Las Vegas Academy. I want to use you on that dance team or that football team. I want to use you. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against That's the first promise we've been talking about, and that's true for you right now. Here's the second promise. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. A lot of you have heard this before, but here's what it says. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. We said it last, last time we were here, but here's what that means. I own the world. There's nothing that happens that I don't say yes to. I am boss. I rule this thing. I have all authority. If you're a Jesus follower, that's who lives inside of you. That's like a huge promise, big deal as you're walking into your, your place you want to take land at. 19 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Some of you did that today. Awesome. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then this is the best part. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. Here's what that means. If you would say, man, I'm a Christ follower. I, I, I worship Jesus, and he is my king and my Lord. Some of you proclaim that today in baptism, which is great. Here's what that means. Jesus walks in your school with you. The one who owns the world, the one who everything bows down to, walks into your school with you, walks into your home and your parents don't know Christ, walks onto your sports team, sitting in the dugout, sitting on the bench of basketball, on the golf team, whatever it is, he's there. Man, if we could get that, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I'm not saying I got this on lock. Like I, I'm trying to wrap my head. God is in me and with me as I walk into the darkest places in this world. And he desires for me to take him up on his promises. That's this series. That's what we're talking about. And so I had some, yes, if you guys don't know me, I, when I'm studying for like messages like this, I get some serious ADD, like crazy, okay? So I had some ADD this week, and it started with uh, exposure. Is Jessica Moxon in the room? I'm going to straight call you out, girl. There you are right there, okay. Me and Jessica Moxon had a conversation with some people, and here's how the conversation went. We were hanging out, and, um, and the... Uh, term swag got brought up, all right? And so I said, Jessica, and the surrounding people, I think Jaira might have been there. I don't know who was there. But I said, um, and I'm going to ask you guys tonight, I said, Scott Worthington, you know, 25, uh, maybe kind of cool, I don't know. Uh, do I have swag, okay? Listen, some of you guys, Tyler, dude, you're always representing for me. I appreciate that. But seriously, I was like, do I have swag? And then so I looked up swag this week <clears throat> this is from the dictionary pretty pathetic that it's in the dictionary but whatever um, here's what it says swag some of you guys are like yeah yeah that's me that's me just listen the way in which you carry yourself swag is made up of your overall confidence style and demeanor swag can also be expanded to a, reputa a reputation of your overall swagger you gain swag or you swag up by performing worthy swag actions that improve this perception. A person can also swag down by garnering negative swag for their actions. This is the best line, okay? Or not this one, the next one. Swag is a subtle thing that many strive for but few actually attain. It is reserved only for the most swagalicious of people. That's swag, okay? That's swag. And I was told I don't have that, okay? I was told that I have something else, okay? I was told, Jessica goes, 
<laughs> Scott, you got swag. Swag. I'm like, what's swag? And they just kind of laughed. So I looked it up, okay? And I almost just like Facebook bombs you all week. Like, why do you hate me? Swag. The way one presents himself in an uncool, loser-like fashion. Thanks. Thanks, homegirl. Also known to be the opposite of swag. The opposite of swag. Ready for this? It gets so much better. Completely dorky. Also, if you say you have swag, it's probably swag. Synonyms. Loser. Lame. Undesirable. Poser. Not cool. Wannabe or whack. I got swag. All day. Here's why I say that. I was thinking about what we're talking about tonight, and I'm going to get there in a minute. But I started thinking, man, who has swag? Who's got swag? If I don't have swag, who's got swag? Does Mo Money have swag? Right? Yeah, does Tyler have swag? Kim's got swag, for sure. Kim's got major swagger. Listen, 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 listen. And I'm thinking about this because here's what we're talking about tonight. And, and I almost tweeted this or, and, and sent this in the refuge text, but I didn't want, like, parents to get mad. Tonight we're talking about violence, okay? You're like, yeah, dude, they're going to tell me I can beat that fool up. No, I'm not. I'm not telling you that. But tonight we're talking about violence. And here's what I was thinking. All the people, like, who has swag in the, in the, in the celebrity world? Does anybody just want to shout somebody else got swag? Justin Bieber's got swag? Here's, here's who, I looked up, I looked up, hold on, hold on, hold on. I looked up who has swag. I looked up who has swag, because, and my name did not pop up, which is a bummer. Um, here's who's popped up. Jay-Z, he's got some major swag. I got to say, not Justin Bieber, he didn't show up. He, he showed up at swag, straight up. Uh, no. Yeah, he changed it to swaggy, you know, like swaggy. It's crazy. Anyways, listen. Lil Wayne came up, Lil Wayne. And so I started seeing this trend, and I'm like, okay, A, you have to rap to have swag. What about, like, the rock stars? None of them have swag? I don't get it. Um, so you have to rap to have swag. Oh, yeah, Eminem was on there, too. Swag. I, 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 I rap-ish. I have rapped. I don't currently rap. Um, anyways, here, here's why I say that. Everybody I looked up. I started looking up song lyrics. I'm telling you, I got ADD. I'm like, dude, what is going on here? I'm still studying for a message. And here's what came up. All these people who have swag are all pretty violent, right? They're violent. Like, I guess swag means I, like, put a bullet in somebody's head. I don't know. Because these people are like, yeah, I got the teardrop because I killed that fool. And I got swag. It's like, what? I don't have swag because I've never killed anybody. I'm just saying. Not even close. So that's kind of what we get to today, okay? So it was like swag, swag, looking up song lyrics for Lil Wayne and Jay-Z, and then boom, Joshua chapter 10. That's kind of my, how my mind works, okay? So today we're talking about violence. You're like, how are you going to talk about violence in church? Here's how we're going to get there. But first I've got to back up the story. We ended with the people of Israel crossing the Jordan River, okay? If you haven't been there, again, uh, podcast it. We, we, they crossed the Jordan River. They built a memorial so they would never forget what God did there. And so they press on to take on the promised land. So we're going to fast forward from chapter 6 to 7, 8, 9, and we're coming up to 10. 
do me a favor this week. Man, if you just want to see what God's got for you, read those chapters. There's some great stuff in it. Joshua 6 through 9. We're going to kind of skim through chapter 10 tonight. But here's what happens. The people of Israel continue. Maybe a lot of you have heard this story or seen the veggie tale. But they run into this city called Jericho. Okay, Jericho is the most fortified city in the place. It's crazy. And God says, no, I told you, remember the word and take the land. And so they march around the city and the whole the walls fall down. It's a crazy story. Check it out in Joshua. And so jo- they, they just conquered J- Jericho and they walked through. But after Jericho, they're thinking, dude, we got swag. They're thinking, we, we got this, man. We just marched around the city, blew some horns, and the whole place fell down. So we're going to go in this little town called Ai, and we're just going to rock it. We don't, we don't need to train. We don't need to seek God. We're just going to walk, walk in there and just destroy these people. And so they send like half their army to go take out Ai. And they walk in and God teaches them a lesson and they just get demolished. I mean, the children of Israel, they, some of them die and they, they just get killed. And it's crazy because they just conquered Jericho by doing nothing. And then they walk into Ai with like guns blazing and they're ready to kill this place. And they get defeated. So they come back, and this is all just Joshua 6, 7, 8, 9. They come back, and they say, God, we messed up. We messed up huge. We need you to take the land. That's good for you to remember. As you're looking at these flags, as you're thinking about the people that you know God wants you to reach in your school, you can't do it alone just because you call yourself a Christian. You can't walk in there with your flag and say, I'm going to take the land because I just believe I can. That's what the children of Israel did to Ai, and they got hammered. They got smashed. So they come back and say, God, we need you desperately. We can't do this, man. We, we got Jericho and that was all you. And then we walked into Ai and thought we were boss. And you said, no, I'm boss. And so we came back and God, would you allow us to take the land in Ai? And so they go back and God gives them the victory. So now there's like this thing that's circulating that all the surrounding nations are like, dude, the children of Israel are legit. Something is happening here. Call it God. Call it what you will. All the surrounding nations are thinking, dude, we got to do something because these people are going to take over our land in order to get to this promised land they keep talking about. So these five kings get together and they say, hey, we, uh, we, we got our nations and we fight a lot, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to reconcile those differences for a minute and we're going to all come together in this big, huge gang and we're going to take out the people of Israel. I know I don't really agree with your nation on this, but we five kings are coming together and we're going to take them out. And so they go, they walk into uh, to fight the children of Israel, these five kings and all their army. And again, they say, God, we can't do it. There's a whole huge army coming at us. We can't do it. And so God says, I told you, remember the word and take the land. Again, he's telling us tonight, remember the word, take the land. What has God told you? What has God put in your heart? What's the land that God wants you to take? Just like the children of Israel walked in these crazy battles, these uphill battles that seem hopeless. God said, I know there's five kings. I know there's five nations. I know there's thousands of people that are coming to destroy you right now. But I told you, remember the word and take the land. And so God allows them, this is where the violence happens, to just slaughter five enemies' armies, all of them, every person, gone. I don't know how they did it. I don't know if they used clubs or knives or I don't know what they did, but five nations wiped out. And then there's these five kings and they're freaking out. Dude, we got nothing. We send our armies. That's what we kings do. We ran and they run into this cave, okay? And that's where we're gonna start tonight. They run into this cave. And so where we start our story tonight, there's these five kings. Their armies have just been obliterated and they are scared for their life in this cave. 
And here's where we're going to start talking about some serious violence. If you have your Bible, open up to Joshua chapter 10. It's going to be on the screen. I encourage you guys, though, seriously, bring your Bible. Uh, We're always going to be in it. Tonight we're going to be in it a lot, actually. I'm really excited to look at some scripture from the New Testament as well. Um, But here's what it says in Joshua chapter 10, starting in verse 22. And we're going to read through 27. Here's what it says. Remember, all these kings just got whooped. They're now in a cave hiding for their lives. And then Joshua said in chapter 22, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me from the cave. And they did so and brought those five kings out to him from the cave. And the king of Israel, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. Those are the nations that they were king over. Verse 24. And when they brought those kings out to Joshua, Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war who had gone with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Then they came near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, do not be afraid or dismayed. Again, remember this language he always is saying. Be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to your enemies, all your enemies against whom you fight. So you, got, you know, you got, you're like a little children of Israel, and you've got your foot on the neck of this king. Remember this moment. And Joshua said to them, or no, afterward Joshua struck them and put them to death and hanged them on five trees. This is like 300 status. This is crazy. He hangs them on five trees, but at, the time of the, um, but at the time of the going down of the sun, Joshua commanded, and they took them down off the trees. So they were just on display for everyone to see. It's violent. These kings dead hanging there. And, and, and uh, Joshua wanted them to see that and to remember that. So they took them down for the tree, and they put back in the cave and set large stones against the mouth of the cave, which they remain to this day. I don't know where that's... that's cave is nobody knows but i promise you wherever that cave is you're going to find the remains the bones the whatever of these five kings and joshua said i want you to remember this so here's what i need i need the biggest guy in here who's a student who's the biggest guy in here who's a student biggest guy mo money we want mo money up here mo, oh jeff get up here dude get up here jeff and i need the smallest little girl the smallest girl in here sarah get on up here get on up here give it up for jeff and sarah Jeff, here's what I need you to do, my man. I need you to wear this beautiful little crown that will not even close to fit your head that I bought at Party City, okay? And I need you to lay down on the ground, okay? Like, literally lay on the ground, right here on the stage. Like, like, like you're suntanning or something, I don't know. Um, and there you go, perfect. And you're gonna, you're kind of, turn, turn a little bit, like, like, no, 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 like, like, you're, like, you just got defeated. You just got defeated. You're not, like, sleeping, Okay, you can lay just like that. Perfect. Okay, and Sarah, you are the strong child of Israel, okay? The strong, mighty. So let me see those muscles. Okay, perfect. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your foot on Jeff's neck, okay? Oh, and it's like, a, it's like a gimp foot, too. That's awesome. Perfect. That's a perfect picture, okay? Now, here's what I want everyone in the room to do. I know it's cheesy. I want everyone to take out your camera, not really, but like in, in your head. Or in, in, to everyone put your hands up like this. Everyone, seriously. I know it's like you're like, dude, I'm like a senior. No way. Okay? Just, I want you to do this. Flex your muscles, Sarah. And on the count of three, we're just going to take a picture, okay? One, two, three. Put that somewhere. You just took a Polaroid. You're good. You're good. She's like, can I like jump on him? No. Um, you're good. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Give it up for Jeff and Sarah. Here's why I want you to do that. Thanks, bro. I know, it's, it's literally the, the worst crown I could find. I don't, um, here's why I want you to do that. Put that somewhere in your mental brain. We are going to get there in a minute, okay? 
Very important. I wanted you to see it like in person. You read it. And if you're a visual person like me, I can kind of see it. I see like, you know, all these little children of Israel stomping on these big king's necks. But I wanted you to see it. Jeff and Sarah are obviously very different in size because I want you, we're going to get there in a minute. It's going to be awesome, okay? But here's, here's the point of tonight. And it, it has on your notes page there. The point of tonight is taking the land. All these flags, what God's put in your heart. The sin that you're trying to conquer, taking the land takes violence. Taking the land takes violence. Violence against what? Like going to punch my neighbor or what? Here's what we're talking about tonight, the whole night. Taking the land takes violence on your sin. Not right now, boom. Oh my gosh, Scott just said a church word. I don't, I'm not cool with that. I don't have any sin. I don't know where when I said that, what kind of flooded through your brain. But that's what we're talking about tonight. Taking the land takes violence on sin. And we're going to look at three different ways that happens. As we take, our, take land with violence. Because here's what we want. I think way too much of Christianity, and I know I'm guilty of this. Man, we kind of feel like, oh yeah, we're Christians. Let us come back here, love your neighbor as yourself, uh, you know, and we picture Jesus like this, you know, really wimpy dude who like pets sheep and has like Pantene Pro-V hair, and like we've really painted Christianity like a big joke, and you have to be a wimp. If you're a man in the place, and you're like, dude, I'm a strong dude, and you're a Christian, you feel like, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know. Maybe it's just me. In high school, when I became a Christian, I struggled a lot with that. Man, that's not very manly. Or maybe you, you, you females in here, you ladies are like, listen, I want to be like a strong go-getter woman. And part of me feels like Christianity kind of hurts that. Here's what I want us to kind of get our head around. Is the same God who destroyed all these armies is the same God we worship today. That there is like a warrior-ness or a very manly and womanly presence about who God is. And we've, we've bought into the lie that you have to kind of be weak and really back over here and kind of, you know, never, never like raise a fist, never get up in, 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 in the face of your sin or never get up in the face of anything because I'm a Christian. That's just wrong. What if some students started getting, if you're a dude in the place, what if you started getting real manly? Like you started living out what the Bible says of men and I think you would start to see, man, there's nobody like a biblical man. There's nobody like a biblical man. You start following the stuff that it says. You, start, you just get rid of all this stuff that Lil Wayne and Jay-Z are talking about, swag. You get the Bible swag, okay, and you start really living like a man. You ladies, same thing. You just ditch this really fake, superficial way that the world says you got to be as a lady. And you start looking at what the Bible says. You start reading Ruth and Esther. And you start seeing these awesome women of the Bible. And you start living that out. And you're going to be like, man, I feel like God is blessing my womanhood and my life more than I've ever seen. And God says, yeah, I want you to take the land and I want you to be, take violence against your sin and this junk that you're being fed. And you'll really start to see what I want for your life. We don't hear that enough at all. We don't hear that enough, even in church. And so three ways I want to talk about taking the land with violence tonight real quick. The first one is this. You have to identify the enemy. Three ways we take the land with violence and we start living like a biblical man and a biblical woman, even if you're a biblical young man, biblical young woman, you're like, dude, I'm in seventh grade, I'm not taking no land. Listen, 
This is good stuff to get in you as you grow up into being a man. Because if you're not trained, you're just going to go the same way the world's going. Who's the enemy? A lot of times in church, here's the deal. We hear the devil. That's true. But there's an enemy that the Bible talks about that I think is more detrimental to who we are, and it's inside of us. It's called sin. It's the flesh. Maybe you've heard that term before, but I want to read you a passage of Scripture that talks about our own worst enemy is not the devil. He's out there roaring like a lion. He's out there prowling around, seeking whom he may devour, just like you've heard in church, and that's, and that's bad news for us. But Jesus conquered Satan, sin, and death. But there's this thing inside of every single one of us that wants to jump up and grow up like those nasty weeds in front of your house that lives in you. It's called the flesh. It's called sin. Here's what the Bible says about it in in Galatians chapter 5. This is the proof that there's an enemy and it's called the flesh. It says this in Galatians 5, 16. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, here's like a laundry list of stuff. And here's the thing, don't in your head think, that's my brother, that's my best friend, that's my mom, that's my dad. This is every single one of us. This list, if you can't find yourself in one of these things, you're lying to yourself. We are all up in this business. The desires of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It says, hey, there's this thing that lives in every single one of us that's warring against the good that God has for us. It's called the flesh. And the first step to taking the land with violence is to find out who is your enemy. It's the devil but it's also what is in you and what's in me. So I guess the question I want to ask you tonight, I don't know you like I know know me, but every one of us have a tendency. Every one of us has a bent towards a certain sin or a certain area of depravity. What's yours? Let me give you a list of maybe some stuff. Maybe you found yourself on that list, but maybe some other ones are lust. Man, whether that's lusting after the opposite sex or lusting after money or lusting after popularity or lusting after whatever, maybe that's you. Maybe you find yourself always caught up in that. Maybe for you it's pride. Man, you think you are the, you got the most swag in all of Las Vegas. That's you. You got this pride issue. Maybe for you it's greed. Maybe for you it's anger. Maybe for you it's that insecurity that eats you up every single day when you look in the mirror and there's just this insecurity that absolutely destroys your life daily. The enemy is the flesh and every one of us battle it. Here's the second one. Second way we take the land is not only do we identify the enemy, but we be willing to fight. Be willing to fight. Just like I said a minute ago, when we identify who the enemy is, we can fight the enemy. Look at Galatians again. I love that. 
For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. There's a war happening inside of us right now, and you feel it all the time. And the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We've said it here before, but every morning you wake up, you're drifting from the way God has for you because of sin, because of the flesh. We have to fight that consciously. You have to, in your head, think, I'm going to fight that sin today. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be a warrior for Jesus, and I'm going to fight the sin in my life. I'm not talking about, the, don't fight the sin in your best friend's life. Don't fight the sin in your mom's life. Don't fight the sin in all these people around you, your lost friends at school. Look how bad they are. Look all that stuff they do. I can't believe they call themselves Christians. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Fight the enemy in you. What is it for you? Because when we start taking the land in our own lives, we can really take the land that God has for us in other people's lives. But first, it starts with you. What is it for you? What, what's that thing you're struggling with? And I think most of you right now, you got it. I know me, I got it. I know exactly the things that I mess with in my head and Jesus gets me, or, and the devil gets me with, and my flesh gets me with every day that I'm just trying to surrender to Jesus all the time. Third thing is this. Not only identify the enemy, the flesh, be willing to fight, but also know that God fights for his people. That's the good news. Maybe you're like, dang, Scott's just heaping on us like crazy burdens. I got to fight. Man, I already got crazy homework. I got honors classes. I got baseball. I got all these different things. And now I got to wake up and I got to like suit up and fight a war every day. Here's the good news. God fights for his people. Let me just say this, by the way, just to go back to the other one. If you're in a sin, if you're, if you're struggling with something, keep fighting. Don't let the enemy, the devil, and the flesh inside of you make you feel defeated. If you're fighting, that's a good sign. That means there's a spirit inside you warring against the flesh. If you're just chilling in sin tonight, and you're just like, yeah, loving life, you need Jesus. But if there's something inside of you that says, this isn't right, I don't want this, this isn't what I want for my life, keep fighting. Because that's the spirit inside of you warning against the flesh. And that's a good thing. And you will conquer that sin. Because Jesus did. And that's the third point. God fights for his people. Remember that snapshot? Everyone take out that snapshot. Pull it up right here. Let me see it. Yep, there you go. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. Right? Remember that song? You guys know it. There's a picture of a little puny man conquering the big man. That is exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. Maybe you've heard that a thousand times. Maybe you've heard that once. But Jesus, the God who created the whole universe, steps down, becomes nothing for us, lives a life, conquers Satan's sin and death by hanging on a cross. And he did it not because he sinned, because he was sinless, but he did it for me. He did it for you. He did it for your brother and sister. He did it for your mom. He did it for your dad. He did it for that kid you can't stand at school. He died and said, I have conquered this. I fight for my people. I love what it says in Romans chapter 6. It says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It's saying, don't let sin have dominion over you. Don't give it the crown, right? Jeff had that crown. Don't give that sin the crown in your life. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will no longer have dominion over you. 
since you are not under the law, but under grace. You're under grace if you're a Jesus follower. If you said, dude, I've accepted the forgiveness of Jesus. I know he conquered Satan's sin and death on the cross. And I've, I've come to a realization that I need him. Here's what that does. Jesus takes the crown off of the sin. And the Bible says he crowns you with righteousness. He puts your foot on the neck of that sin in your life. He says, it's done. I fight for my people. Man, I want you guys to remember that snapshot. Always remember Sarah stomping on Jeff. Because that's the picture of you and sin because of Jesus. Not because of you, but because of Jesus through you. But every day it's a battle. It takes violence. It takes you consciously thinking, today I'm going to fight that insecurity. Jesus, you died on the cross because I feel, to to beat the fact that I feel the way I do when I look in the mirror. Or you died on the cross for that thing I did last night. Or you died on the cross, and the Bible says he nailed that sin to the cross when I went out last night and did those things. Or when I think the way I think about other people. Or when I get crazy mad and I don't understand why. The Bible tells you it's because of sin. But the Bible also tells you that sin is defeated. Some of you guys are carrying a lot of weight right now. The band, you guys can go ahead and come up. But seriously, guys, this is the only way we're going to take these, this land. The only way any of this will happen, the only way God is going to let us walk into the promised land and start taking land in our lives is when we decide, man, we want to be violent against the junk inside of us. What right now is trying to take your crown? I'm talking to Jesus followers in the room right now. What is it right now in your life that's trying to take your crown? Is it lust? Is it that junk you're viewing on the internet? Is it that relationship that you're throwing yourself at because you think you need that boy to fulfill something inside of you? Is it that insecurity every time you look in the mirror? Is it that pride? Is it that anger? Is it that fill in the blank? But every day something tries to take my crown. What is that for you? Man, fight it. Ask God right now. Cry out to God right now. God, take that. You beat, you died on the cross for that thing in me. If you're not a Christian tonight, I'm saying this to you not as an overpowering dude who's got a microphone, but as a big brother. You are bowing down to sin and flesh, and you don't even realize it. You are bowing down right now with your whole life, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, to sin. You were never meant to walk with the junk that you're walking with, the load that you're carrying every single day. You were never meant to carry that. And everything that I said about Jesus is true, that he literally hung on a cross for hours and hours and hours after he was beat to a bloody pulp, not because he sinned, but because you sinned. And he said, I love that person. I love that child of God. And I want to take that sin on myself. And here's what it means for us. All we do is we walk up to God and we say, God, I can't do it anymore. You created me for a relationship with you And I want to start that relationship. It's you coming to God and saying, I can't. He says, I know I can. 